Ladies and gents, welcome back to the Relax Running Podcast. Tyson Popplestone here. Thanks for being here for another week. Today on the show, we're joined by Tokyo Olympian, two times Commonwealth Game athlete, and as of last weekend, 29th in the world over the World Cross Country Championships. Her name's Izzy Bat Doyle, and she's a she's a real mover and shaker in the women's scene of distance running here in Australia. We caught up with her, well, I caught up with her yesterday, just two and a half weeks out from her second marathon. So I'm really excited to watch her progress and see how she goes. She's uh, she's got that she's got that vibe to her when you watch her run that suggests she's going to be bloody good over the marathon distance. So it's really exciting times for for the Australian women, especially to have another uh, uh, big hitter on the marathon scene. Uh, beyond her running, she's a uh, well, I guess it's still under the umbrella of running, but in South Australia, she's started a group called Run as One couple of years ago which now has 400 members uh, from beginner to advanced really really cool group so if you're in south australia you're interested in just getting out for some social running could be a group to hit up i'll link their details in the show notes below they've also just opened a coffee shop with a little twist um when i say twist i mean it's a twist in the sense that it's got a real runner's twist she goes on about that and gives us a little bit of an overview of the inspiration and um, the story behind what got that started which i was super pumped by i want to dedicate a podcast just to the uh <laughs> the chat around her, her uh coffee shop anyway this was a really informative chat real eye-opener really interesting and easy person to speak to so i hope you really enjoy it uh for now that's enough from me enjoy this conversation with myself and izzy bat doyle Awesome. All right, so I've just hit record, and before I've hit record, you're telling me you're sitting out the back of your your shop, which was a shock to me because I thought runners won, and your running training was enough for you and Riley to keep your hands full. <laughs> but you were you were telling me what six months ago you opened a little coffee shop. Yeah. So yeah, we were pretty busy already, but um, the group had grown, and we were kind of doing merchandise in the back of Riley's car, and um, you know we were um, yeah meeting with runners and trying to find a place for coffee afterwards, and pretty hard to get a place for 100 runners to have a coffee after a session so um we thought why not um, start our own coffee shop give it a go and also offer the running community um and runners one yes running specific products we stock all sorts of things like gels you know morton running gear um yeah lots of stuff that's amazing yeah i think because i was living in adelaide in 2006 and that's where i met adam originally i was training with him and i don't know if you know dan matner but Dan, yes, Matt is a I good met him. Mate. He's in the US now. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. So at the time, it was it was just the three of us, and I worked at uh, Joggers World, and I think Joggers World was like the highlight of the world of running in, in South Australia. At it the definitely moment. So, was. Yeah. So where where have you guys got the coffee shop based? It's in Nord, so um, it's just between Kensington Road and the Parade. So um, it was pretty particular that we needed a spot close to where we train. We train at Victoria Park. We meet by the grandstand there. Um, and so it's literally less than one kilometre from the grandstand. It's about 600 metres from the top of the park. So we just jog down there. Um, yeah, it's really easy to come back here afterwards. So it's pretty pretty handy. So have you got a big spot? Yeah, a big spot. Yeah, like a, yeah um, sorry, a big cafe. Like, yeah, so um, we've got like the coffee out the front and like um, kind of like the, where the merchandise and all the products are in the front area. And then I'm back here in like an office space. Um, we've got a section with Normatec recovery boots and a TV. People can can enjoy their coffee and jump in the Normatec recovery boots and watch some old running running videos on YouTube. Um, 
And uh, yeah, we've got a little kitchen out the back and, and shower and bathroom and storeroom. And then we've got a lovely back garden. With, we actually um, renovated it, put fresh grass down, gravel, um, big picnic tables and, and nice umbrellas. So it gets pretty hot out there today. It's like 38 degrees. Um, but we've got a little Mr. Sprinkler system. So you can stay nice and cool out there too. Man, what a dream. That's, um, that's a <laughs> big commitment. Have to come check it out. Oi, sign me up. I've got a sister. I've got a sister who still lives in Adelaide and I'm, I'm due to, to get back there. It's, it's always one of those places where I just, I, I never, I've got all the intentions to come back. And then I look yeah. at my calendar. I'm like, wow, it's been six years. <laughs> so yeah. I, I need to get yeah. over there. But so how are you, how are you managing that at the moment? Have you got people working there? Cause I can imagine with um, the yours and Riley's training schedule mm. and runners one commitment, there's, there's limited time left on the, uh, on the, the daily schedule for you? Definitely. I mean, I, I'm always jumping in and out, you know, whether it's vacuuming at the end of the day or packing up the food or just helping serve serve and, you know, hand out coffees. But we do have staff here. So we've got um, actually Riley's mum is the, the manager and she's here um, most days of the week now, which has been great. We've been able to kind of, um, we're open every day apart from Monday. Got a couple of baristas who um, jump in for the busy sections. And yeah, Riley's actually really good behind the machine. Um, but yeah, I, I'm lucky. Um, I really prioritize my running. Um, Riley has kind of taken, like, he's still obviously such a good runner and I'm um, doing really well, but he's definitely stepped into more of, um, kind of like more of these roles and kind of lets me offload that, go home for a nap and get my training in. So yeah, we balance it well. It is busy though. <laughs> I can imagine. Had you guys had any experience in the cafe world before or was it your first venture? Uh, I, I've worked in hospitality, so I've worked in quite a few cafes when I was younger um, but not necessarily. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a psychology degree. Riley's got a physiotherapy master's, so it's not really, um, you know, what we're kind of trained for. But I think it just was like a natural progression. You know, runners love coffee. They love to sit and chat and hang out after a run. So it was really just offering something that um, our community needed. So, yeah, it's been fun. It's been a lot of challenges too, but uh, we're working through them. You got some. Uh, you got some good posters up in the shop as well? Yeah, yeah, we've got a few good um, running prints and, and such and still got to deck the walls with a few more few more things. So always on the lookout. Yeah, so so is the idea, so you obviously you've got that social side covered, which is amazing. Um, and you said you've got a, a little bit of merch and some of the products. Is it going to be like a fully decked out running store as well at the back? Um, we're not doing shoes because um, it's just it's a whole other ball game and um, we've got some great places in SA at the moment which um, do offer shoes and we're not really... <laughs> getting into that space at the moment but um yeah the, the products are kind of expanding we have um we've for a long time had um, um done a lot of gear with two two times you um with our branding and um we're stocking more products yeah like gels electrolytes um watches um go to sunglasses CLA hats um just kind of any specialty running products that um a runner or endurance lover might want to pick up while they're while they're in Man, that's unreal. It's so funny. You've, you've thrown a curveball at me because I was excited to get you on and just talk about, <laughs> talk about running, but I'm also such no, a nerd. No, let's talk about running. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I'm also such a nerd when it comes to cafes and I've just got so much respect for people who, are, who have a crack and start their own thing and especially like for my own selfish purposes when it's in a field which I really love. So, yeah, man, we're going to have to do another podcast just on cafe, <laughs> cafe life in the future. But oh, um, I'll have to get a bit more experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be out of my depth. You can say anything with a bit of confidence and I'd believe you. But, um, again, we are saying before, uh, we were having a little chat, obviously, before we, before we hit record. And, uh, what was it, like a, not even a week ago now, World Cross Country Champs in, in Australia. Yeah. We are talking about G'day in the, the women's race and 
um, just how wild it was to see her collapse with sort of 50 or 60 metres to go. It was a it was a course that I'd, I'd never really seen before. It was a, a real mix-up, mm. a real taste of Australia, I guess they were trying to deliver. Uh, how did you find it? Because it was a, it was a wild experience from uh, from sitting on the couch at home watching it. Definitely. Look, it was it was hard, but we knew it was going to be hard. And, and for me, um, you know, this year, like last year and the year before, was pretty much focused on the track. I haven't done really any cross country since I was in college, um, In not since like 2017. I actually broke my foot in three places at the last NCAA cross country meet that I did, um, which was in 2017. Um, so I didn't have the, the best experience of cross country coming off um, that experience. I didn't run for like four months after that injury and was in a boot and yeah, you know, three broken bones is, is not good. Um, but yeah, going into this year, knowing that we had World Cross in Australia, I mean, you just really can't pass up that opportunity to give it a crack and try and make the team and, and, and try and run for Australia at a home world championship. So, um, you know, once that was on the, on the calendar and it was um, something that was plausible, I definitely wanted to give it a crack. And I'm, I'm so glad I did as hard as it was. It was so much fun and an experience that I'm sure, you know, what we might not get um, in our lifetime of running, definitely not, you know, in cross country probably. So yeah, it was, it was fun to do, but um, I think going into it, my mentality was kind of like, wow, what a great experience. Let's have some fun. But I wasn't super tied up to the, um, you know, the, the result that came from it, so to speak. Um, I mentioned I've got a marathon in Japan. I leave in less than two weeks. So um, it's on March 12th. Um, two weeks ago, I did a half marathon in Japan and ran a PV there. Um, so this kind of block has been really focused towards, um, yeah, like the half and, and the marathon. And uh, I was lucky that I could just kind of like throw in the trials in January, you know, tape it a little bit for a week, get that done, make the team um, and then, yeah, have the opportunity to represent Australia at the World Championships. And, yeah, it was incredible. Like, as you said, watching it on screen, I think, was pretty fun for people to, to watch and, and see us all running through the mud and just getting up that hill and, and through the vineyard. It was um, an incredible course, like, it was kind of a bit of a, like the first lap I felt like laughing just at how hard it was and how, <laughs> how silly, you know, it was so dry, but we're running through this massive puddle of mud. Um, but yeah, they, they did a great job. I think what athletics said, make it hard. And they certainly, they certainly lived, lived up to that. Yeah. That, that mud puddle was awesome. I was having a little stalk at your, your Instagram page before we got on today. And that was a, a great action shot. It was fun. Like it was horrible. Yeah very horrible for me sitting behind the couch because every time the athletes ran past, I was like, come on, just let someone fall. Like, We've got to see you. <laughs> We've got to see his stack. But at the very least, uh, yeah, there were some, there were some nice action shots. I heard Mona and, and Tamsin in the commentary say that they didn't think the, the footage did justice to the hills that you guys were running up and down. Like, I don't know what the gradient was, but it, it sounded as though it was intense. Like I'd, I've very yeah. rarely seen athletes collapse like they were on, um, you know, last weekend. So I, I can only imagine that, that had something to do with the hills and, and also, I guess, a lot to do with the heat. Certainly, yeah. I actually haven't re-watched the replays. I'm not sure how it looked on screen, but um, there were some nasty hills, a few little pinches and one that just went forever and you felt like it was done at halfway and then it just kept going. Um, it was just a course that you never got any um, relief or any momentum. It was just hard and you were either running uphill through mud or a really sharp downhill. Um, so, yeah, never really kind of fe feeling good and I'm sure that's why you know, a lot of people ended up not finishing, collapsing, um, you know, in the medical tent, throwing up, having heat exhaustion. Um, yeah, there was a lot of that happening. And I think the conditions really played into that and, and the course itself too. 
uh, I hadn't run a hill since um, April last year. So <laughs> the first lap of the course, I was like, oh, here we go. But um, if you handle the hills, you know, um, you just kind of like try and run the same effort and get up them. It doesn't matter if you slow down, you know, if someone passes you, you can make that up after you get over it. So I try to just, you know, attack them with enough um, kind of to get up them, but also just kind of stay consistent and not let my heart rate get too, too spiked. Yeah. And how did that, how did that sort of fit into the marathon preparation at the moment? Like, obviously you, you don't necessarily need to be doing a whole heap of hills to, to get marathon fit, but in terms of taper and things like that, what, cause what are we, you said you're two and a half weeks out from your marathon. So what's that yeah. three and a half weeks out? There wouldn't be a great taper happening just yet. No. So, I mean, look, I didn't, um, I wasn't able to do any real, any cross country prep or any hills in my training. And unfortunately I've had like a hamstring tendinopathy for the last year and a half since Tokyo, um, which meant that um, for the last year, I haven't really done any hills apart from just, you know, undulation in some of my long runs along the torrents here, which might not really count as hills. Um, So look, yeah, I didn't have that kind of like preparation, as you said, you, you know, you might if you were just targeting that as your main race. Um, but I think, like, as long as you're strong and, and fit, you can have confidence that, um, you know, you're going to get around the course and you're, you're going to get through it and you're going to be strong enough. And on the day, it was probably more of a, a mental strength necessary than, than anything physical. Um, but, yeah, in terms of tapering, like, um, I still – the Friday before World Cross, I had my biggest session yet. So it was 6 by 3K in around 10 minutes, so 3.20 pace. Um, I had two minute jog between that and then, you know, warm up, warm down, um, 30 K morning, uh, with a, with a, with a cross training double later. So certainly, um, still like deep in that training and Sunday had a two hour run. So backed off a little bit, um, but certainly not tapering like I would, and maybe, um, you know, if you're really freshing up for that main, main key event. Um, and then, you know, the week of the race, obviously I really respected what was coming. Um, my Tuesday session, I ended up cutting it just because I didn't feel very good and, um, I was yeah cognizant that I was only you know four or five days out from the race um, and really after the Tuesday once I didn't feel great in that session I just kind of like I think I jogged um, you know 50 minutes the next day and then it was like 45 20 30 30 like just a couple of easy jogs um, until we got to race day so it was certainly a down week like I ran I don't know 91ks coming down from 160 so um, but that's more just kind of like the race itself and not really doing a long run that week yeah yeah how has the marathon prep been going yeah good i mean i I think it's interesting to to chat about like marathon training and i'm so new to it i've only done one melbourne last year and um coming off com games i ran the 5k and the 10k and i got COVID afterwards and i was kind of half committed to doing melbourne and then i fully committed like six weeks out and um i got a really solid five weeks of training in but um a lot of people kind of you know um sound like that's they don't think that's a lot of training to do five weeks for a marathon but um I felt like I was strong and and prepared enough and I'd done plenty of running in the last two years prior that um I could kind of just show up and and get the marathon done um I kind of thought I wanted to do my next marathon with a with a proper marathon block and we've gotten here now and it hasn't certainly been um what I imagined you know with world cross trials in there um half marathon and then and then world cross it's been a fair bit of racing and um, I think looking back on it now, um, I, I don't think you, you need necessarily that, that marathon block to, to run a marathon. Um, I'm sure it, it can work for certain people in, in different situations, but um, racing can keep you fresh. It can change things up and um, 
you know, it, I think it's good to have a bit of variation in, in your training and, you know, whether that's as extreme as doing cross country and then a, and then road racing um, in the same kind of block. Um, but I think that, yeah, mixing it up is good. And I've managed to fit in a few, few big meaty sessions and, you know, a couple of two hour, 30 long runs along the way. So um, I think I'll be prepared enough. Yeah, no, that's good. So, so when you say the, it was the Melbourne marathon, you said that you had a five week specific block, like what's the, what's the weekly sort of block that you've got for, is it Tokyo marathon you're running? I'm actually running Nagoya. So um, yeah, it's a week after Tokyo. It's the Nagoya women's marathon. And I, um, I paced there last year for 30 kilometers. So I'm lucky that I've, I know the course a little bit and, and all the kind of set up there, which is good. Um, yeah. Oh, that's Sorry. nice. That's good to be able to go in with a little bit of clarity about about what you're expecting. So uh, yeah, I, I was talking to to Paddy Tin and on here a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things that he mentioned was, um, like pretty similarly to to you, like all throughout the year, you you kind of got a base phase happening anyway, don't you? In the sense that you're not going to be having a couple of weeks off, or you're not going to be having a few weeks where you're just doing like a, a a thirty minute long run. So I guess just by default, like you've got the uh, what well, it's a well earned luxury of being relatively fit from five weeks out to be able to do something really tailored yeah, towards it. Exactly. That's what I think. And, you know, if I look back on it, um, I've probably been averaging 140 Ks a week for the last two years and, you know, um, you know, on training weeks. And then when I'm racing, it goes down to, to 100, 120 or thereabouts. But, you know, that's a lot of weeks of consistent work. And when you start from that base, you know, it doesn't take much just to top it up and, and, you know, add a half an hour into the long run here or, add a bit of a longer session it doesn't really change need to change your training all that much so yeah you're right like if you come from this space of a of an athlete of um of that level then you can kind of just um yeah jump up a little bit for a marathon yeah how have you um how have you handled some of the bigger sessions like you mentioned that six by three k that's an intense session was that around uni loop there in melbourne or where did you do that one i did it i do my sessions um around botanic so on the like road loop there it's actually um it's less than two kilometers. So it's like one, eight, four, four, I think it's measured around. Um, so it gets a fair bit of laps if you're doing a long session, but I really like it. It's got like, it's pretty, it's fairly even, you know, it's, it's road. It's got one little hill on it. Um, it's nothing too crazy and yeah, it's pretty shaded too. So when it's a bit warmer, you kind of get a little bit of coverage, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I love those sessions. They're my favorite sessions. And I think that's why I kind of always thought I would be a marathoner in the future is because I've always loved these longer sessions, like the long thresholds or the broken thresholds have always been, um, yeah, what I, what I love to do. So they've been tough and like that six by three K was probably, um, yeah, it got pretty hard towards the end. I had company for half of it, but then I was solo for the last three reps and, um, yeah, it was challenging, but I also really enjoyed it. And I feel like you walk away from the sessions feeling really rewarded, um, and strong. Yeah. Did you have someone out there on the bike with you or was Riley joining you for the first couple of reps? I was just interested because obviously the, um, the, the hydration or the nutrition element of marathon running is, is one that's really interesting to me because it's like it never, like it constantly surprises me just how many different approaches people have to gels and drinks and fluids and, um, you know, when they like to have it and when they don't like mm-hmm. to have it. So in the preparation phases, I, I know a lot of people, especially when they're using gels, like to have a few sessions like that where they're, they're getting a little bit of a taste for how they might implement it. How did you structure that? Was that a part of a session like that or um, do you sort of just worry about your drinks in between reps? Yeah, look, I think it's really important to practice it. And for Melbourne last year, I think having a short prep, um, knowing that I need just to nail all the little things like that to make it a good day. And so I really nailed like, 
I really honed in on my nutrition and practiced doing all the drinks. And um, Riley actually did Melbourne last year and he only decided three weeks out. So I thought I had a short prep. He had a very <laughs> short prep. Um, but and he wasn't really training anywhere near as much as he had been the previous year just due to an ongoing chronic injury. But um, he just practiced his nutrition and then um, got that done on race day. And coming from a much lower training base, he ran a minute PB, pretty much just off doing nutrition better. Um, so it does show what you can, like how much it can help. And I think it's it's huge and it should be practiced in training. So for me, my training, look, it's a, it, like I get it done, but sometimes it can be a little bit um, ad hoc just because of our, our lifestyle and, you know, we, 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 we fit it in when it suits us. So um, I think the first session of my marathon block, like my first long session, 20K um, of 1K on off, Riley jumped in for that one. We did it together um, and we actually put a table out on the loop and put our drinks on there and like grabbed our drinks off the table and then like chucked the bottle on the ground and picked them up at the end. Um, so that was, that was pretty good practice. And then uh, the next session I did um, actually Jacob jumped in. So Riley wasn't able to do that one with me, but Jacob, um, his brother jumped in and that was really handy to have him and another friend um, do half of it. And um, for that one, I think, yeah, Riley was just um, handing me drinks along the way. Like he was out on the bike, but also just stood on the side and gave me my drink. Um, and then for this last six by three K, like, um, unfortunately neither Jacob or Riley could do it with me. So I had my training partner, Connor, but he only runs about 70 Ks a week. So, uh, a big session like that would be a quarter of his mileage of the week. So he only did the first three reps with me and he led me through, which was really helpful. And, uh, Riley showed up about halfway through and, and handed me my bottle for the, for the last, um, kind of part of it. So yeah, it just shows that yeah, you, you kind of fit it in where you can and, and get what you can done. Uh, on Tuesday, actually, after World Cross, I had to do a two-hour, 15-long run on my own. Yeah. And it was a little, it was hot and, like, I couldn't organise. We're a bit busy here. I couldn't, I just couldn't get someone to go on the bike with me. I didn't really try hard enough. But um, so I just took a bottle with with me in my hand with 500 mils with a Morton packet in it um, mixed up. And I just carried it the whole way and drank, drank it on my run. Like, you know, when you're running 420 pace, like, you can just, you can hold a bottle in your hand. It doesn't really matter. It's not slowing you down. Um, I think I, I drank all of it in the first like 50 minutes anyway. Then I chucked the bottle. I chucked the bottle on the ground at like a playground, kept going. And then on the way back, picked it up. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. yeah, got it done. That's unreal. With the, um, with the 10 minute 3k reps, like how did you, how did you decide what pace you wanted to go out there? Like, I'm not sure if you, if you want to say what time you're hoping to run or, um, or, or what, 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 yeah, yeah, your PBs at the moment. Most but... of my, so my PB, I ran it um, at Marigami, the half marathon was 69.27. Uh, so it's about 3.8, I think it's 3.18 pace. Previously, my PB was um, the one half marathon I'd done in Melbourne in 2021 was 70 minutes, 16, so 3.20 pace. So pretty much most of my sessions are like my threshold or my half marathon pace. And that was always like 3.20s. Um, yeah, now technically it's 318s, but, um, yeah, most of my reps, um, are around the 320 pace when I'm doing these long broken intervals. Um, obviously on a Tuesday, I'm touching on faster, faster stuff in, in my track sessions. Um, but yeah, pretty much always every Friday, like, um, if I'm doing a 10 K threshold, it usually sits around 320 pace. And then if I'm doing a yeah, broken threshold, it just works out to usually be about 320 pace. Sometimes it's a little bit faster. Sometimes it's a little bit slower. Um, I, I am I do wear a heart rate monitor, so I do look at my heart rate and kind of use that feedback to you know recalibrate and um, adjust my effort. But yeah, I find that my body just kind of naturally locks into that pace pretty well. 
yeah nice. definitely you- that's not marathon pace though obviously like my my marathon pace was was 330 and I, I hope that I'll be able to hold something like 327s or 328s um you know going into this next one but yeah that's obviously faster than marathon pace yeah sure and what would that give you like at the end if you can maintain 327s um I think that's around 226 yeah awesome. and that look that would be that'd be amazing like the new olympic standard is um 226.50 so i think anyone in, in my position who's doing a marathon and um you know has, has been to a games before is is targeting that time um and there's so many things that go into um running a good marathon you can't just say you want to run a time and just show up and expect that your training's going to carry you through um there's a lot of factors that play into it um and i I don't imagine it to be to be easy, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll be shooting for that and, and seeing where I where I land. And um, the World Champs qualifier is two twenty eight flat. I missed it by ten seconds at Melbourne in my first one, um, but I'm I'm sure there's ten seconds there. So yeah, somewhere somewhere between there, we'll see where where it works out. Oh man, that's really exciting. I'm pumped for you. So are you are you kind of in in the headspace now where you're transitioning towards the marathon full time, or do you think you'll dance between that and the track a little bit for a while? Yeah, I think what I like about um, what some of the other um, athletes have shown us recently is you don't necessarily have to transition from from one to the other. Um, you know, I've made the jump up. I've done a marathon now. I'm I'm targeting some some road races with a bit more intention than my other races, um, and I just find that's where I I think I'll naturally be better, and I I, I enjoy it more. I enjoy the training more. I enjoy the racing more. So yeah, it's definitely my more of my focus now. Um, that's not to say that I won't jump back to the track, depending on you know where the opportunities line up. Um, and I have some goals still on the track, like my PB is fifteen oh four. I ran that in the Netherlands last year when I qualified for the Olympics. Um, I felt like I could break fifteen in that season, but um, you know I went to the Olympics, ran in Tokyo in the humidity, then I called it a season and. I've never really got a chance to to give it a real crack again. So I'd like to try and run sub 15 in my career. And um, my PB on the track in the 10K is 31.40. Um, and I'd, yeah, I'd like, love to get, you know, in the low 31s, at least just under 31.30. Um, so yeah, definitely got some goals. I'd like to get, get there as well. But uh, I think the marathon and the roads will be my focus. Yeah, man, it's, it's such an exciting time. Because how old are you is? I'm 27. Yeah. 27. Man, and that's the beauty about the marathon. Like you you look at someone like Sinead and you go okay, well, you got another 20 years up your sleeve to be yeah, yeah. to be running PBs, which yeah. is which is super exciting. Yeah, there's something um there's something beautiful about the marathon training. I'm doing the the very very early groundwork for for the Melbourne Marathon this year. Like oh, I, nice. I ran it back in 2018 and I remember going out cuz I I officially finished running in 2013 or 14. And as like I went away for a little while and I wasn't overly interested in running. I'd go for a jog just to keep fit, but I'd done no structured training for ages. And then getting ready for 2018 marathon, I went out there and just did everything. Like the listeners would be so sick of hearing this story, but I'd go out there and um, I'd just do like some fast sessions. And I think my longest run was 30k, and the second longest run was 24. I'm like, you know what? Like this yeah. will be fine. And then I went through the I went through the first half in like a I think it was an hour 19. There was an hour 19. And then I ended up running three hours five, and it was just so much humble oh, pie. No. <laughs> so yeah. I, um, uh, but the reason I'm starting so early is because I'm only doing four days a week at the moment. I've got like a long okay. run, a session, a couple of easy runs, and I'm just trying to get to June, like, and mm-hmm. make sure my body's strong, make sure everything's sort of back in uh, running mode. And then I thought I'll do like a, a 16 week more focused build up from there. Um, but just doing, Good idea. That, yeah, just doing that. I, I've got an appreciation for, for the training and stuff that you guys 
do because I'm I'm friends obviously with with Dress Trengove or Stenson now. Yeah. And uh, I've followed her progress for a while, and there's something about the marathon training which is, I don't know, it's like a, it just seems like a different sport to to that of running on a track. I think I stole that yeah. from Pat Tiernan, but it's so true. <laughs> um, and I love the fact that, as you say, even if you wanted to go between track and marathon for the next five or six years, you've got that option. And then you can dedicate the next 10 years after that just to, to running the marathon. It's, it's super mm-hmm. interesting. Have you found that interesting or difficult, the, the difference between training? Or there, apart from the extension in some of the sessions, there hasn't been, I guess, much of a change to the structure for you? I think I really like the way that Nick kind of plans for um, a marathon because really the only change, so when I was doing like just 5K, 10K um, training, and actually when I was doing 5K, when I was doing 5K training, I PB'd in the 1500 and 3K as well, you know, and then I ran a, like, I ran a half marathon too. Like the, the one season I ran PBs in the 3K, 1500, 5K, you know, and a 70 minute half marathon. So I feel like the training's geared towards that kind of whole range um, because it's kind of a strength based training kind of focus, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and all really for the marathon that changes is like you keep the same Tuesday session on the track. Um, my midweek long run stays the same. It's just my long run that goes up on a Sunday and the Friday session goes from a 10 K threshold to maybe 20 Ks of, of work or, you know, 15, 20 Ks of work. So, um, yeah, it hasn't really been like massive kind of change. Um, and those two, like those two additions, the Friday and the Sunday, they just top your mileage up a little bit more and, and put you in that, um, you know, running probably 160 um, Ks a week or, or upwards. I think I'm probably fairly low mileage for a marathon at, at the moment, but that is to say that I've been also racing other stuff too, so it's just been hard to get that mileage in. Um but yeah, I've I've found the transit like the transition fine because I I love that stuff. Um, I love those sessions. I really look forward to them. I find them I find them like hard and like grinding and like grueling, but like not as like hard as a track session. <laughs> yeah, like not so much of a burn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know that feeling. I've got bad memories of running that last hundred and fifty meters of an eight hundred and just feeling like I wanted to <laughs> yeah, cry, sit yeah. down and have a cry. <laughs> so I know that pain you're talking about. Yeah. I noticed that a lot with with Nick's athletes, like Stewie. When this is a couple of years ago now, when when I spoke with him, he was saying that when he first ran three thirty one, which was I don't know if that was the Australian record at the time, but it was close to it. When he ran three thirty one, he said he had done no work faster than sixty second pace for four hundred. No, I'm always yeah. interested because I think that's a theme. Collis was always the same. Um, like there's a number of Nick's athletes who seem to have that ability just to be able to train almost as you say like a half marathon or even a you know maybe not a marathon in, in, in its full context and still be able to convert that to really fast times on mm. the on the track what do you attribute that to like is that just a personal preference or is that that strength based focus that you think just converts really nicely and a lot of us just don't give it the credit it probably deserves yeah i think that um really anything from 1500 meters up is aerobic mate like 95 percent aerobic um and so therefore like you know you really need to be training your aerobic system majority of the time um obviously if you're if 1500 minutes is your very highest race you do and you're an 815 runner then that's a bit different like you know you really need to nail in on that speed um and and your speed's probably just going to carry you through for the 1500 but if you're if anything from a fifteen hundred meter runner upwards, I just feel like that's mainly aerobic in the in the race itself. 
and therefore the training um, like should be geared to be mainly aerobic and then just touching on that speed, touching on that anaerobic, um, that VO2 max stuff to get you ready to race. Um, but, yeah, majority of the training I think you can do um, in that kind of like almost, yeah, strength strength kind of training and it just kind of um, once you build that strength in your legs, like the speed comes from there. Um, yeah. I, I felt that in like many many times like I've not touched anywhere near kind of like even like sub 70 second laps in training and then you go and finish um a 5k at 64 second lap you know and you've, you run a 64 second lap at the end of a 5k when I you know in training I'm not even breaking 70 in my in my 400 reps <laughs> so it just kind of like you accumulate that strength and it translates to speed but yeah I can't speak for anything under the 1500 because that's a whole other ballpark and I've yeah. got really no experience <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've never been like, even back in your college days you were you were never in the short distance kind no, of stuff it was always I, the longer I, stuff yeah I when I was um at school like I did the 815 um and I went to college actually as a steeplechaser so I went to college as a, as a 3k steeplechaser i ran the um, world junior qualifying time in the steeplechase and and that was kind of like the start of my career um so I guess that's a shorter distance but yeah I've always kind of been like more of a strength kind of longer longer distance athlete yeah which college were you at I actually started out at one called St John's University in New York um, but I was only there for 18 months and I transferred to the University of Washington in Seattle so um I was actually, I take pride in being, I think, the first Australian there. And now they've got Sophie uh, O'Sullivan and um, a bunch of other, um, yeah, New Zealand. Sam, Sam Tanner went there and um, a bunch of other Australians there. So it's actually become quite a international team. But um, when, I was, when I was there, I was the only Aussie. Yeah, man. That's interesting. It's <laughs> interesting uh, that you went to New York originally because uh, that was one thing that when I was speaking to Pat about, he was laughing because he's in North Carolina He's yeah. like, yeah, dude, this is not a place where most of us go to do training. When people think of no. training, they think of Arizona or Boulder. No one's <laughs> talking about North Carolina or or New York. But what? So you were the first. It was the you were the first Aussie in at Washington. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I might have been the first at St John's too. St John's was great, but I like I I wasn't that great of a junior. Like I had run ten twenty seven, ten twenty four in the steeple. And like nine forty eight and three k, like nothing outstanding. Um, but I had run that world junior qualifying time, so I was kind of like on the cusp. And I wanted to go somewhere where, if running didn't work out, so we're in a really cool city and like a good university. Um, and so I didn't take visits, but I'd been to New York, so um, I just kind of like picked New York. And I had a great time. It was super fun, and like I love living in New York. And yeah, had a, had a really fun eighteen months. Made some great friends and did some really cool stuff, but at the end of the day, it just wasn't going to be the place where I was going to become the runner that I wanted to be. Um, and once I kind of made that um, realisation, I decided to look into better options and I subsequently transferred to, to Washington and, and had a great career there and, um, yeah, really enjoyed myself and the challenge that came with that. Yeah. What's it like Washington be different in the sense that you wouldn't get the super cold temperatures, but you'd get the real fluctuation in what between sun and rain, like you'd still get a, 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 fair, uh, a fair workout in the seasons over there, would you? Yeah, Seattle's lovely, but it's um, quite rainy. So you have like quite a few months of just like dreary, rainy um, weather. And then the summer's lovely, but it's it's quite, um, it's not super hot like we would have here in Australia. Um, so it's it's relatively like nice all year round, like for running. Um, it can get a bit of a drag when it's just been like raining for three months straight. But, um, you know, it doesn't really change your running. You can still get out there 
obviously like snow and like minus temperatures is a whole nother factor that can affect your running. So I did like that factor about it, that like all year round you could be running outside. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. That's one thing that would scare me about New York is the fact that whenever I see snow, I panic. I go, this isn't the place for yeah. me. <laughs> I need to get back to yeah. somewhere with like gravel paths and a little bit of sunshine. Are you um, like during all your uh, all your endurance work? Are you are you in the gym doing actual strength work as well? Like, what what kind of role does that play in your training system? Yeah, I think strength work um, is is really important. Um, I'm going to try and do some this afternoon because it's been three weeks since I've done any. <laughs> but no, normally I do it twice a week. It's just um, in, a, in a racing block, it gets hard because you don't want to be doing um, like a gym session before a race and getting sore. And then after the race, you don't feel like doing strength because you're sore. And because I had three races, you know, in a pretty close period of time, I just kind of like haven't had a chance. But in a normal training week, I would do strength twice, um, about an hour in length, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, and because of this pesky hamstring injury that I've had for a while, I haven't been able to do some of the exercises that you might do, like just regular squats and deadlifts. Um, so I've had to kind of adjust a little bit, but I do stuff like hip thrusts and step ups. Um, and yeah, like kind of like, I don't know, your basic running stuff, you know, single leg exercises to get stability and, and a bit of core and, and glute and hammy work. So yeah, I do think it's really important. What actually happened with your hammy originally? What was the original issue? I know you mentioned it, but I just don't know if there was yeah. a particular cause that uh, sort of no, set it not, off. Not necessarily. Um, I think it's a very popular injury for athletes. So um, and I think for female athletes, more than that too. Um, so, yeah, I just like I was training before the Olympics doing um, a fair bit of like speed, like racing. I was in St. Ramps. I ran a PB in the 1500 ran another 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 1500 another 5k um and then actually it was like this last session before the olympics in the holding camp we did um i did with rose and jen gregson and um we did a like a bunch of 300s like another and then we did a hard k and i think we ran 244 um like we were rolling and like i was hanging on to jen and rose um and yeah, it was it was fast. It's my one KPV still. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. Um, uh, and yeah, I just felt it. I felt it kind of like get pretty tired. Um, and yeah, I guess from there, like it just kind of like yeah, just kind of like stuck around. Just flared up a little bit. That's a bummer. Yeah, I, I'm glad yeah. you don't get away scot free from a two forty four K because I would neither. <laughs> That's um yeah that's not market around that's some nice speed there wouldn't be I don't know how many marathon runners in Australia um in the in the female world that'd be running two forty four k's that's yeah uh, that's a nice I'm little, not sure uh... I could today <laughs> no nah, it was good and like I, you know I was I was I'm, I was in really good shape for the Olympics and like I didn't run badly there in fifteen twenty one like in the humidity of Tokyo but it was kind of unfortunate that it didn't really um have to show for like such a good result just because it was you know it was the olympics and it was humid and hot and um you know you're ready to go for a fast time but you don't you don't get that yeah but i think i think actually the hamstring it came from like that session probably set it off um but the whole factor of what happened there is like we were in quarantine like sort of um before going into the village and the only place we were allowed to run was the track so we were in the hotel for like a week and I did like 90 Ks in five days, just laps of the track. So oh, one no. way, the other way. So I, I actually think while I felt it come up, like felt it after that session, I think probably the reason was more just like doing the laps and laps and laps of the track. 
that's a brutal experience. Ninety k's of of laps of a track. I've done a couple of I've done a couple of ten k races and thought, you know what, I don't want to do one of these again for another ten years. Um, in terms of um, in terms of recovery and things like that, so obviously with 160 k's going into your legs each week, that's going to be a a big part. Like beyond sort of just nutrition, hydration, easy runs. You mentioned cross training that you were doing a little bit of as well, which I was keen to pick your brain about. But um, what does the recovery side of your training look like right now? Yeah, so um, for me, like I guess from this hamstring issue, um, when I was overseas, I got it right, kind of like feeling better after the initial um, issue in Tokyo. Like I took a few months and it kind of like got a bit better. But then unfortunately I went to Falls Creek, stirred it up really badly, got it going a bit better again. And I went to Flagstaff and that really destroyed me um, in April last year. I was there for five weeks and unfortunately that was a bad start to my um, European season. Um, I then I was able to scrape it together and make comm games and, and that was a kind of a good end result. But in the middle there, I was really struggling and like I couldn't even get 10K runs done without like almost crying because of the pain. So subsequently from that, I started to supplement a bit of um, cross training on the elliptical. Um, Collis and yeah, had had a similar hamstring issue in the past and um, a lot of people had found that yeah, the cross trainer kind of enables you to not get that like same um I guess like hip and knee like impingement and it just kind of feels better so I started to do a little bit of cross training over there while I was overseas and I just kind of have, have like kept that in my schedule um moving forward just because I feel like if you can offload the body a little bit um then why not so I've actually bought a cross tra- elliptical for my home gym and I jump on there usually for two of my doubles during the week and it's not because I'm like worried necessarily about injury and it's not even really for my hamstring anymore. It's just because I feel like if I've done like 25, 30 K session in the morning, um, going out for a 30 minute run, I'm probably not getting that much from it. Um, mm. So I can do the same thing, just jumping on the elliptical, um, not being worried about like injuring myself um, and just get the same sweat, get the same heart rate going watch a sweat elite or an old race on YouTube and just get it done. So usually I do the elliptical on a Tuesday, Friday afternoon. So it just takes the place of what a double run might be. Um, and yeah, I think on a Friday it was really good because I've done like most of the time I'm doing like up to 30 Ks in the morning and going for another run, like what's the point? Yeah. Um, you know, even, even the elliptical, like I'm not trying to get fit. It's more just to like get the legs moving um and like so the next day when you go for a run you're not like stale from that morning session yeah that was one thing that stood out to me when when i chatted with jen gregson a, a little while ago she was saying the exact same thing um is that she had had some trouble trying to navigate certain injuries and she just started to question how much that double run was actually benefiting her performance it's something that yeah i, I reckon it it makes so much sense like if you're getting your heart rate up you're getting the sweat you're getting a good little workout or the equivalent workout that you're going to get in a 30 minute run but take a little bit of pressure off your joints and your body. It um, it, like, it seems like a good thing for for a lot of athletes to to weigh up. But for whatever reason, especially at like a novice level, I think a lot of athletes get excited about. No, I've just got to learn to run more, and then mm. they they don't take into consideration. I say novice level, but I uh, this applies to the elite level as well because we're an OCD OCD bunt at the uh, at the Vesta time. So um, I know the allure of seeing like a whole heap more kilometers written down the, in the training diary at the end of the week. But um, how has that actually transferred across to your running? Like, have you noticed that that's, I guess it's obviously been beneficial because you're still doing it. Yeah, I think like 
the main thing is like people getting away and myself included getting away from the idea of like weekly Ks um, mm. because like, you know, I don't factor in my cross training to my weekly mileage. So um, I think like the most I've ever run in the week is like 180 Ks, but I probably did two um, 30 minute like elliptical sessions that week. So, you know, should I call it 190, like 195, <laughs> <Yeah>. 200? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you can get a bit carried away with like um, just like, needing to like hit a certain number mm-hmm. i actually don't like i just open up my strava just to have a look but i actually don't even know what k's i've been running like it's been so random like last week's 91 then 140 111 159 166 so my highest week in this marathon block is going to be 166 which isn't very high and then it's like 116 149 156 139 so like you know, I've had three race weeks in there, so it's kind of like gone up and down um, and then recovery from the race itself. But if I look at my um, cross running to it, because I keep track of that, you know, it's been up to a, up to an hour and a half a week of cross training um, on any given week. So, you know, if you factor that in, it, it, it changes the number. But so what? Like the number doesn't matter. Your body doesn't know the number. Um, it just kind of knows like the overall volume that you're putting through your legs and through on your heart. Um and yeah, I just think that it, it's, it's a really nice little offload and, and thinking about gen two, like, you know, knowing if you've got an injury history and I certainly had one, you know, with my, all my feet stress fractures. Um, and, but even if you don't have an injury history, it's just kind of like, yeah, what are you gaining from going out for a seven K run at, at four forties? Um, you know, that you can't gain from 40 minutes on the elliptical. I actually think I get more out of it because when I go for a jog, my heart rate's lower. When I get on the elliptical, my heart rate, I sit at like 140. I get off absolutely drenched in sweat. <laughs> um, so sometimes I think I'm actually getting more out of it. I'm just not getting those Ks to go on my weekly Strava. Yeah, 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 that's true. And that's a, that's an appeal that so many runners can't let go of because it always feels good yeah. to upload those Ks to, to Strava. But also the fact you get to watch a couple of sweat elites. I only, I only discovered those guys about four weeks ago. And Oh, and really? Oh, you've got plenty know, to watch. <laughs> man, amazing, huh? So what's the story? Yeah. They just go around and follow elite athletes who train. Yeah, so um, the guy who um, started it, like, he obviously kind of, like, oversees it all, but he just engages um, different um, videographers and photographers in different locations and, and you know, gets different sponsors to to support the series and, and works with athletes um, and, yeah, puts it out there and, and we can all enjoy it. Man, it's such a good idea. Hey, before yeah, I let you go, I, I know we're only um I know we're only sort of scratching the surface of all the things we're out to talk about, but I know you've also, as we've established, you've got a you've got a busy timetable. So I'm not gonna steal all, all your day uh, or all okay. your morning over there. But um runners one, like you guys, how how long ago did you start this? Because you said did you say you had four hundred athletes running with you guys now? Yeah, so we started in COVID. Um it was like just after COVID hit in like June, May, June, that we kinda like we're running, we were like meeting up with a couple of family friends, my mom and like, um, yeah, a couple of, a couple of family friends that wanted to kind of train during this time and were a bit kind of like lost um, and races being cancelled. And we slowly like um, just kind of like that, that was kind of building up to like more people were asking if they could come and run and we were like, oh, we better like start a name and like put some information out for this group. Um, and that was, yeah, middle of 2020. Um, and then by... January the next year we had 100 people and then now we've got um, 400 members but they don't all live in Adelaide so we coach remotely as well majority of them are based like in our Adelaide training group here and we have um, up to 150 people at sessions on a Tuesday Friday and Sunday morning long run um, which gets pretty crazy but it's a lot of fun (laughs) Um, fun. 
and yeah, we just, it's a great community. There's a place for everyone. We've got people um, who are just like their goal is to do park run and they're, you know, they're getting up to, from walk runs. And then we've got people like Jacob, Riley's brother, leading leading the way at the front running sub minute, sub three minute Ks. Um, so yeah, it's a massive um, variation in abilities and, and age and, and all sorts of goals. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really exciting. That's good. That's insane. I don't think I've ever heard of a running group with 400 members, but I love it. <laughs> I love it. And that looks like it's, I've, I've been following some of the stuff you guys are posting on Insta. It looks, um, it looks unreal. You're doing it professionally as well. Like I like the fact you've got some good quality photos and some yeah. nice, some nice kits and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a, a bit of a fan from a distance. I think that, um, I think I heard a quote the other day, which is like, um, if you're, if you exercise with intention, then you're an athlete. Like if you're getting up to exercise, then you're an athlete. Like, so we kind of, you know, look at it like everyone in the group is an athlete and, um, you know, they want to, they want to look good. They want to feel good. They want to, um, get the good photos taken of them. They want to have the right merch and, and apparel to wear. So yeah, it's definitely, um, all part of it. Yeah. Unreal. Well, is, as I said, I'm sorry, it's taken so long to, uh, to get you on here, but it's great to finally sit down and have a chat with you. We'll have to, um, have to do another one, maybe after the marathon in the next couple of months, we can, uh, we can talk about, uh, talk about the progress and the, the yeah, lessons definitely. and stuff from there. Cause it's always interesting to get those follow-up chats as well, but Hey, I'll be cheering for you from, from Melbourne and, and thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. And good luck with your preparation for Melbourne Marathon. I'm excited to see how you go. Oh my sub three. Gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, come on. At the, I was going to say at the least, but I'll take sub three right now. Like <laughs> after last time, oh yeah, I, I shouldn't get too, too ahead of myself. But um, yeah, we'll, I'll keep you posted. Sounds good. It's great to chat. You too. See you later. See everybody.